welcome to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, Mike Trout's favorite podcaster, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? I'm doing worse now. Um, no, I'm... Uh... I'm doing fine. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, survived another day of work. Glad it's over. Watching some WBC right now and our, our boys trying their best against Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Mike Trout thing, that stings a little bit. That, that stings a little bit. Um, well, you, you don't have to hide it. I mean, I know what you offered me in our fantasy league. I know you want Mike Trout. You don't, you don't have to hide it anymore. I know <clears> you secretly got a crush on him. Listen, if Mike Trout could play as a Mariner in Safeco or T-Mobile Park, fantastic. But when he's playing against the Mariners, that's where I have a problem. So I'm going to pass. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. How are you tonight? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Again, World Baseball Classic. Hoping USA doesn't get like skunked again because, God, that game against Mexico was not great. <laughs> But um, they're looking pretty good. Uh, as we shoot right now, it's about bottom of the first. We're up 3 nothing, so can't complain. But I want to see Matt Brash come in and, and actually, you know, strike three people out. So Agreed. I'd love to see that. Agreed. So before we get into anything, thank you again, everyone, fans, friends, family, for coming back and taking time to listen to the podcast. If you're returning, welcome back. New listeners. Hey, thank you for choosing us. Um, I think this is episode number 21. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just grateful for all the support that we're getting. Um, if you haven't already, go hit us up on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Forks Down Podcast. My wife, Abby, helps us run that. You know, um, tries to post when we post new episodes. And, uh, you know, you can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. Um, I just got a notification that Anchor is now spotify for podcasters so basically if you want to you know like us and subscribe on spotify you know you don't have to go through anchor anymore so but um yeah you like and subscribe you'll get notified when we drop new episodes um season's coming up quick so you know bo and i have been in discussions might might go to two episodes a week we don't know yet but um you know you guys will find out once we uh once we decide and we'll Make sure it's known on Facebook, Instagram, and obviously you'll know if we start dropping more episodes. So with that being said, let's get into today's show. Um, you know, World Baseball Classic going on, Bo. Um, I've I've actually been watching a lot of it. It kind of lines up for the games that um, are played in Taiwan and Japan because uh, I get home that late. <laughs> so um, those games usually... Um, I've actually had one not even started before I got home. And then, you know, typically it's about two or three innings in before I get home and watch it. Um, so I've been watching basically Pool D and Pool E. What have you been watching? Are you, have you been watching, you know, Pool A, B, or C? Um, I've been watching a little bit of a little bit of a mixture of things. Um, I've been watching a little bit of a little bit of B. Um, a little bit of C and a little bit of D didn't get to watch too much of a, um, but, uh, yeah, no, the, I mean, I watched, um, I started watching just the Puerto Rico Venezuela game yesterday and, um, man, I gotta tell you, that's, um, that's just fun. Like watching, like, like fans just go crazy for like, uh, you know, a rally here or there for Puerto Rico and just like, um, the atmosphere that is a WBC game with the, you know, the Latin players and you know, down there in Florida, it's just uh man, that's a fun time. So like, I've been, I've absolutely been loving that a lot. And then, um, yep. Try, I had USA watch USA play great Britain. Um, I think from my standpoint, I'm a little more interested in watching Harry Ford and seeing how Harry Ford plays in those games, but uh, it's good to see you. Great. Yeah. I've been, been doing, doing phenomenal. Great. Yeah. I've been doing yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's been fun to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, I haven't actually seen a lot of the Dominican yet. I didn't get to watch them um, today. I do want to watch them some more later, but uh, I know we'll talk a little bit more about it, but um, I wonder if they're in their heads a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they 
they did get upset um, first game. I think they won today. Am, am I right on that? They defeated Nicaragua, correct. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So they did get a win today. That brings them to one to one and one. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right on that. I think they're a little in their heads. Um, I told you before the start of the show, you know, I've been watching Pool D, Pool E. Um, if I was a betting person, I'd be putting money on Australia. That team's just awesome to watch. Um, you know, them going out and and handling Korea was fun. Um, and they haven't played a bad game. Maybe outside of Japan, but I think everyone's kind of played bad against Japan. Mm-hmm. Um you know, this so far. Um, and then pool, uh, I think it's pool D with, with Cuba and all those guys. I'm actually shocked Cuba advanced because, um, Cuba did not look great. Um, and on top of that, I don't know if you've been watching their games. You, you were talking about the fans and the fans, you know, I even give you know, the Mexico USA game props yesterday because the fans there for Mexico made that game wild. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, in the Cuba game, every game I've watched, I think there's a guy, a fan that you know travels with the team. He brought a car horn, you know. So every time Cuba would do something, he's hitting the the car horn, and that's all you hear. Like clearly, you know, honk 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 honk. So it's like, man, that kind of sucks. And and actually, I was kind of looking at the subreddit, the baseball subreddit, um, because they had a game thread. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think everyone was kind of thinking the same thing. It was kind of funny to watch, you know. You know, someone needs to go out and and take care of our boy out there with the horns. So, mm-hmm. um, other than that, you know that that pool's been fun to watch. Um, not as much. It's it's fun watching these teams because um, not everyone's major league talent. You know, that, I think right. that's why I like watching Australia so much is because they only have a couple major league players. Everyone else you know, came out of the Australian baseball league and, right. you know, they, they're, they're showing up big Czech, Czech Republic, you know, they're probably not going to make it out of pool play. They were fun to watch because those guys literally play baseball and, and baseball is like their side hustle. Yep. You know, they come out and, and they have, it's their second job. So um, just, just so much fun for the world baseball classic. So much, so much passion. You could see it in, you know, the players' eyes, they, they're they there to represent their country. And some guys like Yon Moncada, you don't see a lot of, you know, ex- emotion on his face when he's playing. Yep. He caught a ball the other, day, uh, the other day and was like running and jumping towards the dugout like he caught, you know, the third out of Game 7 of the World Series. So, I mean, it means something to these players. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, and it's in March too, right? Like that's the, I feel like we're starting the season of this, this season off with a bang. But I think for me, it's like, we, we think of baseball as a very American centric thing. Right. So I think sometimes it's difficult for us to, um, even think of like Japan or other places like loving this game so much. Right. It's, it's, it's like, I think you're, I think you're pinpointing it perfectly. Right. Like, seeing the Czech Republic enjoy playing baseball like they do. And these other places enjoy baseball like they do is just, uh, it makes you feel warm inside. And like, I'm really encouraged by how well Australia has done. And, uh, I, uh, I know baseball has been growing there. And I think I mentioned before, I think 2014, they had, I think the first series of the season was at in Australia. And I think they were trying to push it more and make it more. And, uh, the Australian baseball league is continuing to, I think, grow. And, uh, that's a, that's a definite nice advancement. So I'm really glad you touched base on that. But um, I mean, yeah, this has been a lot of fun so far. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I'm curious how pool D and pool C kind of play out from here. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I wonder how far if the Dominican is in their head at this point. Um, but uh, Puerto Rico also looks pretty solid. Um, Venezuela for as much as, you and I might have some, not disdain. That's not maybe not disdain, but some questions about Venezuela. Venezuela looks really good. Um, uh, I do love Felix, so I mean that's a, that's a good point there. So and, and um, Gino's on Venezuela. So Gino's on Venezuela. Yes, Gino's. Yeah, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, but uh, no, man, it's been super exciting thus far. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully USA. I think they're up right now, three nothing, four nothing. That is can kind of close the door on Canada today and uh, advance here. Yep. Yep. Uh, one thing, you know, I want to see 
from Canada. I want to see Matt Brash come in and have a solid inning. Um, it seems like all our all our players have been, you know, outside of Julio, you know, he's been getting some hits here and there. But, um, you know, some of our other guys, Matt Festa, 2Ks in relief for Team Italy the other day. Matt Brash coming in just looking filthy. Um, Harry Ford's probably been the best, you know, player from the Mariner system mm-hmm. in the World Baseball Classic. Two home runs so far. Led Great Britain to their first ever win in the World Baseball Classic. Um, very encouraging, you know, and he's getting a lot of praise from, you know, people, announcers and, and the like, you know, the announcers were saying this could be, you know, the next big guy, you know, for the Mariners, Julio's that guy right now. And, you know, you give it another year or two. I mean, Julio's still going to be there, but, you know, Harry Ford could, could be the guy to, you know, be, you know, come up and, and be the number one prospect in, in all of baseball. You know, I think he has that potential. So, um, yeah, yeah it's just, just very encouraging to see. Yeah, I was going to pull it up. I think it was a hundred and I think it was a hundred and six off the bat today. I think from uh, from Harry Ford, uh, the mm-hmm. one yesterday was really nice, solid shot. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is kind of putting him on the map a little bit. So, um, uh, it's it's phenomenal to see. I love it thus far. Um, I do. I, I want to say it looks like Japan is in fine form thus far. Oh yeah, um, it looks like Japan I, is uh, is trending the trending the right way. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, Shohei Otani I think hit one. I think Shohei Otani hit one four hundred forty eight feet yesterday, and it was like one hundred and thirteen off the bat. So that guy's in fine form, and um, I, they're looking pretty good. Looking came, pretty good. Yep. I I don't think that even came down in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> I don't think it landed yet. You know, yeah. it's still up yeah. there. You know, somewhere in the rafters. But yep. yeah, I, right now. Japan's probably the team to take it. I mean, obviously things change. Things change. You know, you get out of pool play, you know, and and they could lose a couple games and be out of it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, uh, they're looking every bit as advertised, um, you know. And I can't really say the same about U.S. Like I said, that Mexico game was very, very weird, you know. Um, and, and, and one thing that, I, I noticed and we touched on when we were previewing it is a lot of it was coming down to pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, we ended up scoring what was it four or five runs yesterday, but because of pitching, you know, we gave up 11. So, um, you know, it goes to show if you don't have the pitching staff, you know, you, you might be in trouble, you know, if you make it out of pool play, you know, and, and some of these teams have way better pitching staffs than the U S no, that's right. And um, yeah, and I know there's been some articles. I'm curious to get to your thoughts too. Like, I think there's some people that it is a little more difficult to, uh, I think, get into the WBC because we're just not sending the best there. And I think somebody may, I think the stat was there were 14 American, there were 14 Americans that received Cy Young votes last year, mm-hmm. and none of them are playing in the WBC right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think it's a good point, right? It's um, I think that does make it difficult for some to get interested in it on the scale of obviously like the World Cup or anything like that, just because <clears throat> just because the best guys are still sitting at home, right? I guess sitting at spring training, but um, there's also reasons for that, which we've we've discussed before. But um, yeah, well, I I don't know. I think a little bit of that, you know, we talk about it, especially with the young guys. You know, all these guys now have pitch counts. All these guys have innings you know um especially if they're younger um and that's that's the thing we touched on with george kirby you know uh last season was we we didn't know if he was going to run out of innings quote unquote you know we ended up seeing him in the postseason which was very encouraging but you know these guys aren't going to go 200 innings and starting the season a month early you know regardless if it's a tournament like this or something you know a lot of these guys you don't want throwing 200 plus innings a season. This is just adding to their pitch total, you know? So it's like, it could be, you know, a thing where it's like, Hey, you know, you go and do this. You're going to probably be looking at throwing between that, between what you probably pitched in spring training. And then, you know, regular season and potentially the postseason, you could be looking at 300, 350 innings. You know, that's just, that's unheard of this day and age in, in the game. You know, it's, 
as much as I want to complain about, you know, rule changes and stuff, it, you know, everything's got to evolve, you know, and, and that's kind of how it's gone. Pitching wise is, is everything's got a pitch count. You see the Rays do wild things and, and they'll have openers and they'll throw eight pitchers a, you know, a day, stuff like that. It's just, you know, that could be a factor in it. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And, um, I think it just makes it difficult. I think it just makes it difficult for some people to get into it, which it's baseball. I love baseball. And I think for you people that may not like the new rule changes, this might be your last version of the game before you kind of get into a new one. So I'm still enjoying it. I'm going to enjoy it. However, whatever kind of way it comes out. And, uh, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll continue to watch regardless. Yep. Yep. Same, same. So, um, yeah, World Baseball Classic. If you haven't, go watch it. It's it's a lot of fun. Oh, have, by the time oh here's an airs, sorry. Here's an update. Oh. Uh, uh, you're my supposed hero, Rick. Mike Trout has hit a home run to put the to put the USA up nine to nothing in the bottom of the first. So poor Canada. Yep. I uh, I didn't want to say it. I think I'm a little bit ahead of you, maybe. But oh, well, yes, yes, I saw that. <laughs> well, there you but go. anyways, if you haven't watched it yet. They're, by the time this drops, they're going to be almost out of pool play. That's when the real fun's going to start. Um, we're going to probably see some really good baseball from the World Baseball Classic. And uh, so, yeah, watch it. It's fun. So, um, before we get into Mariners news, uh, a couple quick things that, uh, you know, one thing you put, one thing I put. Um, thing I put, Corbin Carroll, uh, D-backs minor leaguer, who uh, I think is, is their number one prospect. It's either him or Alec Thomas, but both of them are really good. For the for the Diamondbacks, yeah, it's Corbin Carroll. Yep. Corbin Carroll is right around the right around the top prospect in the game. Yep. Yep. Eight years, hundred eleven million dollars. Hasn't really seen much action at the MLB level, so uh, that trend is kind of continuing. Uh, minor leaguers, they're they're trying to lock up the minor leaguers, um, you know, before they hit the show and. Um, I think we've had mixed success for the Mariners. You know, that's kind of the reason I put it because, um, you know, Julio got his deal and he's only been in the league for a year, but uh, we also did that with Evan White, you know, and, and we're still, you know, jury's out on if he's going to make the team or not. So um, <clears throat> well, it's just interesting to see. Yeah. The Mariners pursued it with Jared Kalenic, right? Like they wanted to make some sort of extension and offer to him and, I think Jared in his own words was betting on himself that he was going to, um, you know, he didn't really need that. Right. So, um, you know, take that however you want nowadays and seeing how he's, what he's done. And maybe there, maybe he's tapped into that. Who knows? But the Mariners did pursue that with Kalenic, um, Kelnick, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I would assume that they're going to try something with George Kirby or Logan Gilbert in the near term future, but, um, mm-hmm. I think when the, when you've got like a number when you've got a consensus top prospect like that, like them, like the Mariners really did with Julio last year, I think it's a good investment to do. So especially I think oh, to yeah. pay those guys that um, pay them up front, right. Rather than trying mm-hmm. to, you know, wait till the back end of their careers to make all their money, pay them when they're going to be good. I really, uh, I really like that part of the game that this is kind of trending and especially for those top guys. Yep. Yep, yep. yep. And then the other bit of news and it does not come as a shock to probably anyone. Uh, Mitch Hanniger suffers an oblique strain. So I think that's just more confirmation that uh, the uh, the deal we made for Teoscar Hernandez and letting go of Mitch Hanniger, I, I think, was probably the right call, you know, honestly. Yeah, and I'm thinking back now, like, um, I feel like the Mariners – the the injury side of things they played out really well they've had some really good luck with that like frankie mm-hmm. montas and everything he's going through with the yankees the mariners had some interest in him last year they missed on that or they i guess they passed on it or didn't really pursue it too much it's shanninger obviously on this part um there's been a couple guys like brendan rogers was a name that was out there this last year he's a guy that's injured so the mariners have done pretty well on this and um suffers it sucks to you know for this happen to mitch but um, you know, Mitch got a pretty good contract out of, you know, this last off season. So he's going to be there for a little while. And, um, mm-hmm. so, um, you yeah, know, hopefully he'll come back. Hopefully he'll come back strong, strong sometime in the season. Yep. 
Yep, yep. So, um, <laughs> funny enough, you know, we, we talk about Mitch Haniger having a, a bleak string. As we move into Mariner's injury notes, uh, Cade Barlow suffered an oblique strain. Um, unfortunately for him, um, that was probably the end of the road for his spring training. He got optioned down to AAA, reassigned. I, I think that's a little different than being reassigned to minor league camp, but, um, you know, it, it's starting to take form, you know, with, with something like that happening, um, you know, to see how this, this 26 man roster is going to shake out on opening day, you know, um, with Cade Marlowe out of the picture, we could potentially see a guy like Cooper Hummel, you know, make the team. So, um, you know, there's still guys down there. You know, even though we we talk up the World Baseball Classic, there's still spring training games on, and uh, there's still people fighting for a roster spot for this team. You know, and and um, you know, we're gonna get into it in a little bit, but there's been some guys who have just looked phenomenal. You know, and and so, um, yeah, what. What about you, Bo? What are you What are you thinking on that? Um, so I know last week when we were talking, it's kind of I think I mentioned like, oh, look like Cade Marlowe might be trending in the right way towards being on the opening day roster. Um, and this obviously has derailed all that. Um, but uh, there's still a lot of guys that are putting in some some good work there now. You just mentioned Cooper Hummel. His at bats and the number of at bats that he's getting is trending very positively. Like the Mariners are, I think, giving him a lot of opportunities. So he has uh, he has a lot of opportunities to I think make this team. Um, I think what's kind of interesting is Cooper Cooper Hummel has played in left field during spring training. He has caught and DH'd, but he hasn't really played a lot anywhere else. But I think if he starts to play some first base or maybe even third base, like definitely keep your eyes peeled for, for what that might mean. Right. That means to me that, um, uh, the Mariners might be thinking of him in other places and using him as like a super utility role in that sense. So something to watch. I know Cooper Hummel started off really rough and has really picked it up since then, but, um, he's the guy I kind of, kind of key on right now, but, um, I think we also kind of have to take it, dip it into our notes here that like Tommy Listella did make a reappearance has made a reappearance in spring training. And um, I think he got a hit to in today's game and he batted DH in a previous game. And um, mm-hmm. um, something is telling me that that is probably the route the Mariners are going to go with um, right, wrong or indifferent. But um, I, uh, yeah, I still think the guys are making the right, they're making the right moves. They're doing the right things, but um I think Jerry and team probably had this idea for what the roster was going to be. And I think it probably included Listella at the time, but if Cooper mm-hmm. Hummel forces their hand and he tries a couple different positions, then man, I would, uh, I'd just much rather have Cooper Hummel than Tommy Listella. Like that's just my, just my personal opinion, but, um, and just my personal belief on it. Like, I feel like Tommy Listella is a, is a pinch hitter. Like that's what, that's what Tommy Listella is to me right now. And yes, mm-hmm. he has more, he has more, uh, he has more reps as a major league player. He has more at bats and he obviously has had moments where he's really shined, but um, I, uh, I don't know what else I see there besides being just a pinch hitter. That's all I really see out of time with Listella. So um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I don't know. It, I said last week, I just him getting hurt and, and disappearing for a while just does not hurt help his case. And, you know, we've got Cooper Hummel destroying the ball, you know, clinic, I think at this point, has wrapped up the left field job. Like, I think we need to slot him in. That's his, you know, but then we've got, you know, Haggerty trending in the right direction. He's coming back. Dylan Moore, um, close to coming back from off season surgery. And he could play a bunch of positions. You know, we, we have him slotted in as probably, you know, getting a lot of reps at second base, but with, uh, you know, the next thing I'm going to mention JP Crawford, um, dealing with some injuries we could see Dylan Moore playing some short too. So I, I don't know. It's just, I still don't think Listella makes this team. Um, if he does, you know, I would probably, like you said, much rather prefer Hummel, but um, you know, I, I just feel like we've got, we've got a lot more players at this point that can play a lot more positions. And I don't think we need to worry about Listella. You know, having to play first and third because I, 
you know, I think we'll be fine if we have Dylan Moore, you know, get some reps in there. Some, you know, uh, Haggerty could probably play a little bit of infield. And like you said, Cooper Hummel, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to take some reps at first and third and, you know, could probably be a guy that could fill in there too, you know, mm-hmm. when he's not playing the outfield, you know, and it's not ever a bad thing to have a third catcher on the team either. You know, right. they had that, uh, shoot five, six years ago with, uh, I don't know if you remember, this is a blast from the past. Chris Jimenez, mm-hmm. uh, utility player did make a couple, uh, appearances at catcher, you know, as a emergency backup utility catcher, you know, so, um, Definitely, it, it wouldn't hurt if, if Hummel came in, you know, especially with, with Tom Murphy and the, the health that he's, uh, you know, kind of struggled to, to, you know, stay healthy. You know, I don't think it hurts to, to get Hummel on the team and get him some major league reps and make sure, you know, if something was to happen, God God willing to Cal Raleigh or uh, Tom Murphy, you know, that he uh, he's ready to go at the major league level. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the... I think the bad part for Cooper Hummel is that Cal Raleigh and Tom Murphy are two very capable offensive and defensive catchers. Like, Oh yeah. So much more than your typical, like, and you carry three catchers with you. I think it's typically because your second catcher, your backup catcher is a little more aging or maybe not as up to as high quality as certainly like a Tom Murphy is. So, um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, that might be an, that might be something against him, but, um, I think he could, I think he could come in and play a super utility role for us. I think, all right, let me, let me put this out there. What do you think Tommy LaStella over or under does Tommy, is Tommy LaStella with the team come may? That's my question. Do you think he's with the team come may hard, hard, hard? No, hard. No. Okay. Do you think he's with with the team two weeks into the season? Do you think he even makes the team? That's my question. I don't think he makes the team at this point. Okay. And I don't think his contract uh, would have him go to the minor leagues, so he might be out of the Mariners organization by then. I could see that happening, and it's not—that's not anything that would like be halfway surprising. Because look at guys like Mike Ford; they come up for a couple games and and end up getting released and going elsewhere. Now Mike Ford's back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob Nottingham. And the, the waiver saga, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I just – I don't think he's on the team come opening day. I really don't. Well, here's what I'll say is, like, the Mariners like guys with options. Cooper mm-hmm. Hummel has some options. Mm-hmm. And I think what the Mariners are probably going to do is I think they're going to start off with Tommy LaStella on the bench come opening day. And then they're going to give him a little bit of a trial run of some sort just to kind of see what he's got left in the tank. And then they're probably going to call up Hubble or Evan White or somebody like that a couple weeks into the season. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm seeing. I just think that if they have to option, you know, Hummel back, that's they lose a couple of the, they lose one of those. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably what they're going to do is they're probably going to start with Tommy LaStella. I just I, the problem that I have and the struggle that I have is like, I just don't think Tommy LaStella is going to help you win baseball games. I just, I just don't mm-hmm. see like maybe he gets a pinch hit here or there, but like he's going to be a defensive liability and he's... the swings of the swing looks rough. Watching him run up first base the other day was, was rough to watch him do that. Like I just don't think Tommy LaStella is going to help you win any baseball games. So that's so, the thing so that I struggle with. Essentially another Abraham Toro then. I think Come it, in I... once in a while, hit, hit a pinch hit home run and have a, one good game, but ultimately hit 190 and not contribute. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least Toro had some had some defensive value. I just don't think Tommy Lestella is going to really have any. I just don't think. I just don't think. I just don't think that's going to happen for him. Yeah. Then what are we? I guess that's the thing that's wild to me is why are we looking at him being the backup first baseman, second baseman, and third baseman? You know, because he can play all three of those positions. You know, if he's liability def- defensive you know, defensively, then why are we slotting him in? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I shouldn't really question what Jerry, Justin and, and Scott do, you know, but um, I think they want to, I think they, I think they want to give him a chance. I think he's, he was a, he was a low, he was a low risk signing. I think we mentioned that when he signed and like, he was a low risk signing. 
uh, if you're losing two weeks of Cooper Hummel or Evan White or Mason McCoy or somebody like that you're going to call up, then you're losing like maybe a little bit of a replacement value there, but not too much. So I think they're going to give him a chance, see if he has anything left in the tank. If he doesn't, he's not on this team, you know, two weeks, three weeks into the season. I think that's the, I think that's the other operations there. Are they, are they giving him a chance? Because La Stella, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, La Stella was drafted by the angels and I'm pretty sure the GM at the time of the angels was Jerry DePoto. Um, that that sounds pretty accurate. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, you wouldn't. It would not surprise me if that. Well, he was drafted by. No, he was with the. He was drafted by the Braves. So was he? He was. He was with the Angels at one time. So yep. That was probably towards the end of uh, Jerry's tenure there. Uh But anyways, I. uh, I, th- I think they're going to give him a shot, but if he's on the team, I'll, I'll even put a date on it. I'll even put a date on it. If he's on the team, come, I'll say like by Jackie Robinson day on April. What is it, April 15th? Somewhere in there. I would be surprised. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, let's, let's just dive into some more spring training notes here because, you know, Tommy Ostell was obviously a, a surprise reappearance, but um, man, you brought him up earlier. Cal Raleigh just looks looks so good right now. Um, three for three against Team Canada. You put in here, you know, destroys the country of Canada, um, which we like to see a little bit. You know, well, just going Shout back, out. just going back to his uh, games versus the Blue Jays. He's on he's on fire against the country of Canada over the last six months, uh, five months. I, I like it. So, yeah, I like it, but. Um, um, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit, you know, cause you're, you're, you know, one of the things towards the end of the show is we, we're going to talk about impact of new rules, but, um, this, uh, this shift, you know, or lack thereof, I guess, um, certainly looks like it's going to benefit him this year. And, and it could, you know, he was a finalist for the silver slugger last year. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, you know, he could be contending for that again. And probably winning it, you know, like who else catcher wise in the American league, you know, Adelie Rushman, obviously, but you know, he's got not a lot of, uh, offensive, um, you know, offensive, uh, competition in the American league. Yeah. Not a lot of. Not a lot of offensive. I would throw probably, I don't know how many games he's going to play there, but Alejandro Kirk from the Blue Jays is a pretty good offensive catcher. Um, but I guess from in the same token, Danny Jansen is. Yeah. Like, I'll give him that. But And I think from a projection standpoint, I'm kind of going over him now. Um, I mean, I have a hard time buying into Jonah Heim at some, at some point. Like, I mean, yeah, he's, he's fine, but like certainly in the AL, like I think he's right behind, I would put him certainly right behind probably Adley Rutschman and then probably some sort of probably Alejandro Kirk, at least offensively. And then probably goes Cal Raleigh in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, the best combo of catchers I feel like is, it was pretty close between those two of, of amongst catchers all in baseball. So, but Cal Raleigh to me, man, um, He's sticking out to a guy that uh, I, I he's getting primed for something big, I think. And, you know, I think we I think we you and I probably need to do some bold predictions at some point about things that we're going to you know have right or things that we think are going to go right in the season. And I think Cal Raleigh is uh, going to be part of that in some capacity, some way or form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's uh, I have a very, very big uh, fandom for Cal Raleigh. And uh, so. Um, he's he's one of my favorites on the team, and I really, really, really think he's gonna have a breakout season this year. You know, so um, yeah, maybe maybe in a week or two we can do some bold predictions. I like that. We'll talk about that more after the show. <laughs> um, speaking of looking good, you know, I, I I feel like we're kind of a broken record at this point since the start of spring training, but um, Jared Kelnick still doing you know still on fire um i can't remember who they were playing you can 
you can help fill in the details. I was watching it. Um, Cal Raleigh came up, hit a three bagger, hit a triple, which kind of not like Cal Raleigh, but he got on his horse and hit a triple. Um, Jared Kelnick came up behind him, hit a triple. So, um, you know, they're just, Kelnick's looking good. And, and as, uh, as you put in the notes, he, he's kind of flipping you the bird. You know, you, one of the uh, biggest things that he uh, has a problem with is striking out. He's, he's drawn some walks. So um, what do you, I know you've watched more spring training games than I have. What are you seeing from Ken, uh, Kelnick that, you know, is in our minds making it to where he is probably the starting everyday left fielder? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is just how relaxed the guy is. Um, been noted numerous times, numerous places, just that the swing looks like he's more comfortable at the plate. And I think somebody was pointing out that, um, you know, in the offseason, he worked to like, think about it less as like an outcome, right? He was thinking about the outcome of the at-bat more than like actually being in the at-bat, right? Like he just kept on thinking like, oh, I didn't hit a home run there or I didn't get a double there. So, you know, that sucks. But like he was actually thinking about, you know, the process of swinging and, you know, what's a good swing on the bat and how to make the swing better. So I think he's, I think he's kind of become a more pure hitter in that sense or more of a focused hitter. So I think it's all lining up that um, it's all lining up good for Jared and, you know, the exit velocities are good for him. Um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting more confident every single time he comes to the plate now that he's going to hit the ball. Well, Um, Mm. and uh, yeah, like I said, I think last week my nitpick was that he, he didn't draw any walks. Then I think he promptly went out the next couple of days and got a couple of walks. So um, yeah, there's even a little bit of plate discipline there going on. So, um, we'll see how much it can sustain. I think he's doing pretty well against fastballs right now. So I haven't really tracked how well I think he's been doing against like off speed stuff thus far. So we'll see how much he gets when the season starts, but, um, you can't help, but look and get excited about everything that Kilenic is doing. And, um, yeah, just think about the, the potential for, what that lineup could be if he is, you know, that next tier of player that we all thought he was going to be. Oh man. Can't even, can't even fathom to think about it right now. He, he pulls it through. We can, we can certainly contend in the West, you know, we're already going to contend. We could certainly make some waves, you know, because obviously the Astros, you know, I don't like saying it. They're, they're the clear cut number one, but yeah. Um, this is something I haven't been realizing. Um, you know, um, I guess I have been pretty, I don't know, off Twitter for the time being, not seeing this, but uh, Chris Flexen's getting some uh, chatter, you know, surrounding potentially a trade. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you feel about that? Cause Right now, I, I feel like he's better than Marco, but Marco might be one of the only lefties on the team, so I feel like that's why Chris Flexen's getting the trade chatter. Plus, I think Marco's value probably took a little bit of a hit, you know, after last season. Hmm. So, yeah. What do, you, what do you feel on the Flexen chatter? So, I think the Flexen chatter... Um, I- so I think I don't want to say it revolves around one team, but um, there's a noticeable team in New York that um, they've got two big guys, Frankie Montas and Carlos Rondon, that are going to start the season on the DL. Um, in addition to Luis Severino, who's not very, uh, who has a bunch of other um, injury concerns. So I think where where I'm going with this is like the Yankees make a pretty good can make a pretty good case that they need to go out and find some extra pitching or at least an extra starting pitcher. And Chris Flexen fits that mold right now. It's uh, you have a surplus of something you can try to go out and get, um, you know, something else from the Yankees in terms of like value. But I uh, I think that people are just kind of looking at this and trying to see what they can get. And like, I think people are way overestimating what Chris Flexen's worth is, but I don't think we should be trading Chris Flexen for like a prospect right now. Like, I don't think, I don't think that makes a lot of sense for the Mariners. I think we probably need, if we're going to trade Chris Flexen, we probably need to get some sort of bench bat. That's a little better than Tommy LaStella. That's better than Cooper Hummel of some sort. I don't know exactly who that would be, but that's who I would want to trade Chris Flexen for. Um, and, <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I'm a fan of having good problems to have, right? Even if that means that maybe the guy is not going to get as many starts and having Chris Flexen as a sixth guy um, that can, you know, swing or, you know, kind of come out of the pen if need be is a good problem to have for me. Sucks for Chris Flexen that he maybe he's not going to start as much, but I don't know. I'm very happy with having Chris Flexen there for that extra depth. And I, I don't know if we trade him. I really hope we get a bench bat out of him, but I just, I just don't really see maybe, maybe at the, maybe in the earlier off season, maybe there was chatter with the Yankees that maybe we would move him, but um, I just don't really see something that I don't know. I can't really think of a trade in my mind right now. That makes sense to move Chris Lexon for. I, I got a trade for you. You brought up the Yankees. You ready for this? Chris Flexen. For Jason Dominguez, who says no? Straight up, one <laughs> one for one. Who says no? Hmm. One okay, you can know only what? imagine there, but uh, they'll they'll turn that one down. So Chris Flexen for Aaron Judge. Who says no? Who says no? <laughs> uh, but let me put it this way. Let me okay. Let me throw out a hypothetical. You know, I just made up. I just pulled up Yankees roster resource here. So let's say the soggy shoulder for J.P. Crawford is is worse than is worse than it needs to be, and the Mariners need a shortstop. Let me put no. a let me put a let me put a hypothetical no. in front of you. You ready for this? Yeah, I've I got, already know what you're gonna say. You're I've gonna got, say, uh, just hit it with me. I've got. How about Chris Flexen for Isaiah Kiner? No, Falefa. no, I don't want Isaiah. I don't want Kiner Falefa. They can keep him. You don't want him. You say, is that a no? He is a worse bat than any of our options. I'm gonna say no. Okay. Well. I, that's, I feel like that's the only way somebody's getting, I feel like that's not the, I shouldn't say the only way I feel like that's, if there's some sort of injury to JP or someone and we need to go get somebody like you may not like it, but I feel like that might be some sort of fit there, but um, maybe Carlos Correa is still available. hmm. Oh, I don't know. Did he pass his physical with the twins? Is that, is that that all good now? I don't know. There's, there's still time before the season to, you know, for him to fail it. So, But anyways, no, I, uh, I, I would like to hold on to flex it and barring some sort of injury to somebody else. I don't, I don't think we're going to make a move of him yet, yet. I'll put it that way. I think now when we talk about when we get later into the season, when, when maybe it's Bryce Miller time or Emerson Hancock or Taylor Dollard or somebody, and, um, we have a, a major surplus of starting pitchers, then maybe it's, maybe it makes more sense to move Chris Flexen at that time. But for right now, I'm fine with him being where he is. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Cal Raleigh and, uh, and Jared Kelnick. And, uh, one of the things that's, that's really benefiting them, um, right now is the, the new rules, specifically the shift. Um, and I know that's something you were taking a look at and kind of studying up on. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are coming out, and uh, especially surrounding the Mariners, uh, coming out and talking about how these new rules are impacting the Mariners. So obviously, um, you know, Kelnick and Raleigh are hitting better. You know, with no shift on. Um, but uh, what? Uh, what other rules do you think are going to have a big impact on us? Obviously, probably the the, the pitch clock, you know. But um, do you feel like the bases getting bigger might have a a big impact on us this season? Um, it might have some impact. Um, that one I feel like it's a little harder for me to definitively say. Like, oh, I think you know Julio's going to steal X amount of bases or. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, anybody else on the team is going to steal a number of bases. Like that one's a little harder for me to kind of wrap my head around of the impact of that. That one's going to have, um, I know that the intent of it is obviously yes, to steal more bases, but, um, I also wonder, and I don't know, do you, how would you feel about Julio running more, right? Like if he's going to bat from the Lido spot, do you think Julio needs to run more or are we just, are we asking a lot of Julio and we putting Julio in bad spots to like get injured more if we ask him to run more? How do you feel about all that? I'd certainly like him to run more. If he's going to lead off and get on first base, why not put us in a better position to win by uh, by getting on a second, and getting a running into scoring position? Okay. Um, I I certainly think it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to have a 30-30 season. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I think it might be in the realm of possibility that he could try for a 40-40 season, you know, with a with a full season where he doesn't really uh, come out slow in May, or till May, mm. he'll come out slow in April. But, um, you know, 30-30 seasons, certainly on the table, and, and, you know, that just helps, you know, with the team's success at this point. You know, that's going to lead to the guys behind him, the, the Tay Oscars and the... Um, you know, the Genos and the, the cows that are going to be behind him, you know, in picking up RBIs, you know, if he, he just makes it easier for him. So I'd like to see him run. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's going to get injured, you know, knock on wood, not wood right here, knock on wood that he gets injured, but um, I, I'm not really worried about the injury factor because you could get injured just swinging a bat or throwing a baseball, you know, so I feel like I am the exact opposite. I am 100% worried about the injury factor. I have this bad habit when I'm watching Julio play baseball of like, is he going to jump for that? Was he going to jump for that baseball? Oh, what did he do to his wrist there? What like, Oh, I have this bad, bad habit of it that I probably need to break because I am, I am utterly terrified whenever that kid does like anything because he, cause I feel like we have so much invested him at, at this point, but um let me advance so like colton wong did have 17 stolen bases last year i think his high was 24 so um i do like certain opportunities where he's batting against righties to um get on base and uh i think come out and steal a couple more bags so i wouldn't be surprised if maybe he breaks into the the 20 range with the stolen bags um mm. gets on base get like what you're talking about gets some um, <clears throat> gets on a second more and has more people drive him in um, I don't really know where a lot of other stolen bases are going to come from. Maybe some maybe, Dylan maybe, Moore, Dylan Moore, Dylan Moore, and Sam yeah. Haggerty. Some of our some of our good bench bats. Some of our good pinch runners that I think we'll get out there. So that's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. Get those guys in a scoring position. So um, <clears throat> when, and then uh, I think those are kind of the big ones that stick out to me. I do, I'm trying to remember. Trying to think if there's anybody else that really kind of. Um, I don't know. I think from a stolen base, Tommy Lestella. I have Tommy. Tommy Lestella is going to steal five bags this season. Oh my god! I Tommy Lestella is <laughs> going to be. Oh man. Um. But uh, yeah, I think that's on the on the bases front. That's the one that I think. Um, I think those are the ones that uh, make the most sense to me. Um. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Let me switch to let me switch to the pitch clock here, and I got to tell you. Are you are you a believer yet? Because I was watching the, I was watching the uh, the Rangers versus the Mariners the other day. The Mariner Ball Club. You might be familiar with it. Um, they were playing the Texas Rangers, and poor Bubba Thompson came up to bat, and um, poor Bubba Thompson came up to bat, and Luis Castillo struck the kid out in twenty seconds. Like it was the funnest thing I watched all day. Like I put, I played it on repeat. Like. Julio Castillo got the ball back at it, struck uh, strike one. Julio Castillo got the ball back, strike two. It was it was beautiful to see. So like, um, it was so much fun to watch. And I know you may not be a believer yet, but man, that was that was just awesome to watch him strike him out in twenty seconds. So um, I'm a believer, and you know we'll double click into some of the numbers here. But how are you? How are you feeling on the third week, fourth week of second week, whatever this is, of spring training about it? Certainly, watching the World Baseball Classic isn't helping. No pitch clock here, and I think the pace is just a wonderful pace. A very brisk jog pace. <clears throat> and I like it. It's a thinking man's game. But um I do you brought up the who or the Luis striking Bubba Thompson out in twenty seconds. That's fun to watch. I I watched another one. I can't remember what team it was for. Pitcher struck a batter out in I think it was thirty two seconds. Mm. And you could just see that the the batter was just swinging it air. He didn't know it was coming at him. So I don't know. I, it, with the like I said, with the World Baseball Classic being on, I still like the pace of the game as it is. But again, it's growing on me, and we'll just I don't know. What am I gonna watch for four hours when I get home? I'd rather watch a Mariners game for four hours, not these. Two and a half hour games. Hmm. I think for you night owls, it's perfect. But for those old folks that go to bed at 
9 p.m., 10 p.m., man, it's going to be I, I, it's going to be crisp. It's going to be good. I, I saw some heavy air quotes on old people like you're trying to describe yourself there. Uh, so. I would never. I would never. Um, but anyways, OK, so let me do, I just want to walk through it here. So like there are I think it's it's important to know that like between pitches, there will be a 15 second timer with the bases empty and a 20 second timer with runners on base. Um, at the last check, the pitcher timer had reduced the reti- the re- average time of game and the MLB by about 26 minutes. It's roughly the same thing or it looks like the same thing, close to the same thing in spring training. And mm-hmm. I think if you go to ba- Savant, Savant has that tempo, those pitches between the, the seconds between pitches. And um, I think the, the guys that this might impact the most um, – are some of the bullpen guys, which makes sense. Um, Menunos, Seawald, Castillo. I think those are some names that, uh, and specifically Menunos and Paul Seawald, both went over 20 seconds in their bases empty time last year. So I think it's important to watch, man. I think it's important to watch. We haven't seen Menunos yet, I think, in spring training so far, but um, that very well might have an impact on him to kind of get him used to, used to a little bit of a faster game because I think he is a little bit more of a, of a thinking man or like, you know, thinking really what thinking about where he wants to place his pitches. So maybe that does have an impact on Menuno's more than we think so. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows how that's going to affect him. Maybe he pitches better. Maybe he comes out and doesn't think about it and just fires the ball. Um, and, and strikes people out and he's doesn't have to think about it. Um, it could also certainly go the other way where he comes up and, you know, he's not thinking about, oh, I need to put the ball on the left inside corner, the right inside corner, or down and away. And, mm. you know, then he leaves some meatballs over the plate that get blasted by guys like, um, you know, yours truly, Michael James Trout. So, it, I don't know. Until I see high leverage situations, maybe that's what's going to make me a believer. You know, see what happens in high leverage situations. See what guys, not just in the Mariner system, see guys like Eddie Diaz or, um, you know, any closer for that matter, Kenley Jansen. Mm-hmm. See how they do in, in high leverage situations. Maybe that makes me a believer because then they're just going up there not thinking about it, firing away. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to call out with runners on base. Um, Menuno's still has that 25 25 seconds. George Kirby is the next one at 25 seconds. So um, I think what you're talking about, runners on base, those high leverage situations. Um, it'll be curious to see how, how the Mariners do, especially those guys that are at the tail end there. Um, you know, if they're able to adapt quickly, quickly and, um, yeah, I uh, I don't quite know where to pinpoint this one yet. I got to tell you, I think Menuno's the fact that he hasn't made a start yet or hasn't pitched in a game yet and hasn't really been acclimated to this yet. That does make me a little concerned as we enter into the season. Um, mm-hmm. My hope is that Kirby, these other guys that are going, they're going to be well adjusted or well adjusted or you know well acclimated to it by the time it goes. But uh, the Menuno's one is one that might that might worry me just uh, just a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm certainly certainly is but again you you are right it's making it's making for a brisk game um i'm actually seeing a lot more praise for it now than i did when it started um that's actually i can't remember what game it was was it korea and chinese taipei it was one of them that's all the announcers could talk about was you know how the pitch clock all these rule changes in general um are here to 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 help um, evolve the game. You know, maybe change the ways some teams. You know, you know, do things. Um, and and you know, their big thing is players are gonna acclimate to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it might take them a time or two. Hopefully, we don't see any repeat offenders on the Mariners. I'd like to see someone like I don't know Manny Machado keep getting strikes called when the pitch isn't. Uh, thrown like i'd I'd be happy to see that but players are going to acclimate so um and and hopefully this is for the better of the game i i hope i don't see why but i don't know again old school guy there so 
Yeah, I guess we haven't really talked about how much it's going to affect the the hitter yet. I think we've we've said, you know, maybe it's helping Jared in some capacity because he's not really thinking too much or he's thinking less. So maybe there is something to that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't really quite know. I know that Ty France is somebody that has to get a little acclimated to that, but I think he seems to be doing okay thus far. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the jury's still out on how much is going to impact the the hitting side of things. But I think, you know, what what's going to impact the hitting side things more isn't necessarily the pitch clock, but that that shift. You know, we're seeing it. You know, we're we're circling back around to this. You know, the the Cal Raleigh, the the Kalenics, the you know. Unfortunately, if your name's Joey Gallo, you know, teams are going to find a way to shift on you. But, um, you know, I think offensively that's going to be the big, the big one. And I, I was always, you know, against them banning the shift, honestly, like I I'm happy to see Raleigh and and clinic, um, you know, benefit from it, but, uh, God, man, you're, you're making millions of dollars. Just hit the ball the other way. But you know, again, you're not getting paid to hit the ball the other way. You're getting paid to hit, you know, home runs and, you know, get RBIs and, you know, you know, get that exit velo up over a hundred. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'll run through. So, uh, I think the, the shifting rules, the four infielders must be within the outer boundary of the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber, um, Mm -hmm. infielders may not switch sides. Uh, a team can't reposition its best defender on the side of the infield. The batter is likely to hit the ball to, so no third baseman in you know, right field anymore. Um, yeah. If the infielders are not aligned properly at the time of the pitch, the offense can choose an automatic ball or result of the play. Um, and this rule does not preclude a team from positioning an outfielder in the infield or in the shallow outfield grass in certain situations. I.e. the screw you Joey Gallo rule. <laughs> That's, yep. that's the only person I've seen that happen to so far. <laughs> yep. So I think they'll they'll try to test the limits of that, but um, I th- I think it's probably good for the game. Um, I uh, I don't know. I at something like you can. I I think you should be able to leave it the same. Like I just leave it because like I just never. I've always thought of it as like left-handers are getting a pretty big benefit out of this, right? And there's not a lot of right-handers that are going to get a super big benefit out of this. So it seems like you're really kind of propping the one side up a little bit more than the other. So that was kind of, you're not really rewarding right-handed hitters as much as you're rewarding the left-handed hitter. So that was kind of one of my arguments for it or, you know, against banning it. But um, I don't know. It doesn't bother me that much. I uh, guys will get more hits. Um, I think the Mariners will benefit from this and um it's fine by me. I don't really have too much of a, too much of a qualm or an issue with it. So, uh, but I think to kind of dive into some of the numbers or double click, um, I think the guys we've talked about him numerous on this episode anyways. Um, the guy that I think is going to benefit from the shift the most, um, is Cal Raleigh. And, uh, I think to kind of put some of the numbers, just throw them out there is that there were Cal Raleigh had 315 plate appearances from the left-hand side last year, and he was shifted in 303 of those. Um, some quick math. I'll tell you that was 96% of those, uh, of those at bat, those plate appearances from the left-hand side were, were shifted against. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think the big stats here, right. That you're, that I think are going to stick out and need to, I think, write down whatever you want to say is Cal Raleigh had a 330 weighted on base percentage mm-hmm. with the shift and a 419 weighted on base percentage weighted on base percentage with no shift. So Dang. I think you're talking about you're talking about a big swing if uh, a big swing one way if Cal Raleigh is not being shifted against. So mm-hmm. um I think there's a chance we see we see that slug number probably, I don't know if it'll go up a lot, but might go up some, I think he might get some more balls in the gap. I think you might see some more singles from him. So I think, I think we're talking about Cal Raleigh with a batting average, his stat, his projections have him right around two twenty ish right now. I think the, the zips projections has him at two twenty two. Um, I think he's going to bat a little higher than that. That's kind of where I'm 
thinking he's going to bat. I think he ends up somewhere between 230. That's where I would say mm-hmm. Cal Raleigh ends up at. Um, and for a catcher, that's superb, right? But that's kind yeah. of the stat line. That's the guy that I think is going to be helped most from the shift. So um, how do you would you agree, would you agree with that? How do you feel about all that? Um, you know, those stats and those numbers there. Oh, I, I would agree with you. I mean, guys like Kalenic are obviously you're going to um, benefit from it, but um, I would, I would tend to agree. I think Cal's on the fast track to a breakout. Um, I'm interested to see some of the other guys. Colton Wong. I don't know how much he was shifted. Um, so I don't know if that's going to help him or not. Those just our lefties in general. Even some of the righties, like Gino. You know, if there's no runners on, Gino gets shifted, or at least last season would get shifted with three people on, you know, the left side of the infield. You know, second yeah, yeah. base of mover over near short. So you're um, you yeah, you're, you're right on the money. Yeah, I was gonna pull that up. So I had Gino here, and because he was the one guy from the right handed side that you you've nailed it here is that he's kind of being shifted percentage wise more and more every single season. Um, mm-hmm. But he was shifted. He had 628 plate appearances last year, all from the right side. He was actually shifted in 80% of those. Um, yeah. So uh, even Gino, I think, is going to benefit um, benefit from this. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to um, obviously Kalenic, who was shifted against 86% of the time last year. So, um, <clears throat> and uh, I think I think there's going to be a big mental benefit for for guys when they go into the game and. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's probably positive overall. On the whole, I think the no shifting um, is a is a more positive than a negative thing. Um, and I do I did pull up um, uh, Colton Wong was actually he was shifted against forty one percent of the time last year. So uh, so he can actually go the other way. Shocking. A little shocking. Yep, a little shocking. But uh, yeah, and he actually has. He actually, it's kind of odd. He has a higher weighted on base percentage with the shift rather than um, against without the, it. Without it, so it's a uh, it's a little bit a little bit a little bit of a difference there. So yeah, yeah, we can't win. God dang it. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know. It's gonna make for some interesting baseball. All these, all these real changes. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a fun season. Like I, I can't wait. I know a lot of, a lot of our friends. You know they're getting ready for baseball season, regardless if they've called. You know, follow the Mariners or they have other teams. I mean, um, I don't. Know. It's just gonna be an electric season. I I I hope the electric factory name sticks for T-Mobile. You know, and, and we can make some more memories there. Um, you know, this season. Maybe maybe host more than one game in the playoffs. That would be cool. That would be really cool. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I think, uh, yeah, the more playoff games, the better. Um, we got some tough competition, but uh, yeah, I think we could. I think we could at least host at least a series there. That would be nice. Yep. You know, if the pitch clock was implemented last year, you're you know, the season ending game for the Mariners last season that you were at that went eighteen innings. Um, you know, what was it, six and a half hours? Maybe it could have been a six hour game instead of six and a half. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> good point. Although you would have stayed there, you know, just as long as everyone else after the game ended. So Mm-hmm. Well, definitely the longest I've ever been to a baseball game. So yep, good point. I don't know the the double headers the other week I I came over, that was a pretty long day at the ballpark. I know you weren't there for the whole thing, but oof, I was like way too many beers deep there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, um, that's what we have uh, for the show today. Um, yeah, Bo, you got you got anything uh, else before we get out of here? Um, no, I don't think so. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the world baseball classic as it's, uh, as it's continuing here. So, but, uh, other than that, all I got to, to fill you guys in where we're at, um, you know, shooting wise with the game on, uh, USA is beating Canada right now. 12, one, 
Um, you know, this is huge for U.S., you know, because they're going to need all the runs they can get. Maybe even get a 10-run rule because, um, you know, one of the tiebreakers is uh, run differential. So them scoring all those uh, late runs last night against Mexico, um, you know, as we shoot it last night, it'll be a couple days for you guys, depending on when you listen to it. Um, you know, it's, it's good to see if it ends up in a tiebreak situation that they're scoring all these runs. So, anyways, that's the last thing I'll say about the World Baseball Classic. We'll get out of here. <laughs> so, for all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week.